Well, God bless you. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice, <clears throat> excuse me, and be glad in this very wonderful day. Sun is shining here. Temperature is nice. And it's just that time of the year. Spring is breaking forth. And we're just happy to be here, to be alive, as well as you, to share with you the word of the Lord. We're always thankful and that we have the opportunity and we don't take for granted as we read the Word of God, as we understand the Word of God, and as we share the Word of God. As Paul told Timothy, teach the Word to faithful men so that they can teach others. So here I am uh, studying, preparing to give the Word to you all. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for allowing us to wake up this morning to see this day that you have made. We're rejoicing in this day and we're glad in this day. And this day, Lord, we have praised you, we have worshiped you, and we have given your name the glory and honor. And Lord, we wanna take this time to tell you that we love you, love you with all of our hearts, our mind, our body, and our souls. We give ourselves to you we understand we were bought with a price more than silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We owe you, Father. So we give ourselves to you and we shall worship you and praise you. And we shall forever thank you for all the things you've done for us, what you're doing for us now, and what you're going to do for us. Keep us, Lord, in all that we say and all that we do, we want you to get to glory and you to get the honor. We'll bless your name at all times and your praises will forever and continually be in our mouth. Lord, I ask that you bless our hearers to hear your word and to receive your word, your engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Today, we're gonna to talk to you about the heart. Yes, the heart, the seat of all of our emotions, the heart, the heart that God gave us, the heart that God knows, the heart that God made. We're going to use as our reference scripture, Psalm verse 51, uh, verse 10, Psalms 51 and 10. And we'll start from the seventh verse of Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 reads as this, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And again, that 10th verse reads as this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And just want to use on a thought for today. Give me a clean heart. If we were in church, I would have you repeat that. Give me a clean heart. This is a psalm of David. This is the first prayer psalm 
that David records. And this psalm is a psalm that gives us the sentiments of David's heart. So we may ask ourselves, what prompt David to write this psalm? Well, what prompt David to write this psalm was he allowed himself to fall from God's word and he allowed himself to fall from the word of God that tells us what to do and what not to do. David, during a time of his life, when the kings were going forth to battle, David did not go to war. He sent his servant, Joab. He sent him to the war and he didn't go. And then he sent a servant with him. So David didn't go to war. So a lot of times us today, this is our first mistake. When we wake up in the morning or in the afternoon and we don't go to war against the enemy. I know the Bible tells us to resist him and he will flee. But as we resist him, then the Bible says that he left Jesus for a season. Just like us, he'll leave us for a season after we resist him. And then he's on his job day and night, night and day to come back and put thoughts into our mind or bad things into our heart. David should have been at war, but he wasn't at war. And the Bible says that at a certain time of the day, he rose up off of his bed. And let's say he went on his balcony in the palace. And as we're on the balcony of our palace, it allows us to see the world. It allows our creativity of our mind to be open and our imagination to be expanded as the sky is the limit. David on his balcony looks over and he sees a woman bathing. Her name is Bathsheba. He sees her bathing and then he sends his servants to inquire, who is that woman? Well, she was bathing because she had just finished her purification. So she was bathing and as she was bathing in this open public, her open public pool, David's house was situated where he could look down and he could see. And as he's looking down and as he's seeing, he's seeing this woman. And as he saw this woman, we know that something began to build up inside of his mind. And then it began to build up inside of his heart. So he had sent some to inquire of her. Listen to what we read in 2 Samuel the 11th chapter. It tells us, and it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servant with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Amma and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still in Jerusalem. David did not go. He still stayed in Jerusalem. And then Listen to what the Bible says, verse 2. It says, And it came to pass an evening tide that David arose from off of his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. The Bible says that she was beautiful. She was a beautiful woman to look upon, okay? Verse 3, and David sent his, first, his second mistake. He looked upon her, number one. And then number two, 
he sent and inquired after the woman. Now, it's not like he didn't have women already, or it's not like he didn't have wives already. But sometimes when you're greedy, what you have is not enough. And then you're looking at the grass on the other side of the fence, which appears to be greener. So the Bible says, David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, is this not Bathsheba? So they found out who she was. They found out her name. And then it says, the daughter of Iliam. She's the daughter of a man, and his name was Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. That's who she is, David. She's the daughter of Iliam, and she's a married woman. But then that's not good enough. David goes on a little further. And David sent messengers and took her. Okay, David, so she's married and she's the daughter of Iliam. So that should be all. It should That's as far as it should go. It should not go any further. But David, he goes on even further. He sends some messengers and servants to go get her. Go get Bathsheba and bring her here to me. So the Bible says, and David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him. So she came into the king's presence. And let's assume in our mind, uh, in our spiritual mind, that they begin to conversate. And as they're conversating, David has one thing in his mind, and who knows what she has on her mind. The Bible doesn't give us reference to that. But the Bible does tell us, and she came in unto him. And then after she came in unto him, the Bible says, and he lay with her. He laid with her. You see what happens when lust is conceived? Uh, it brings forth sin. And then that same lust that's conceived bring forth death. David's spirituality is dying and dying and then got to a point where it died. Then it says he lay with her for she was purified from her uncleanliness. So after her uncleanliness, she was bathing. So as she was bathing, getting herself clean from her period of uncleanliness. Okay, it says from her uncleanliness and she returned unto her house. So David has laid with this woman, Eliam's daughter he's laid with. And then this same woman who is Uriah's wife, the Hittite Uriah. He's laid with Uriah's wife. Now, we don't know what David was thinking in his mind to make him do this. The Bible doesn't tell us that. It just tells us that what he did. Then she received, she found out she was pregnant and she received this word and she sent this word unto David. So now David knows, okay, this woman I have laid with is now pregnant, and she's another man's daughter, and she's another man's wife. So now David is trying to come up with something. Okay, how am I going to cover this up? See, this is how the devil does you. He makes you lust after something, and then after you lust after something, it becomes sin. It becomes uh, an entrapment to you. And then after it becomes an entrapment to you, you're trying to figure out how can you cover this up? How can you escape from this that you have gotten yourself put into? This thing happened because it was in David's heart. 
See what happens when you're not doing God's business, when you're not doing Jesus's business, when you're not doing the Lord's business, your mind and your heart begin to drift away from God. And as your mind and your heart begin to drift away from God, you begin to get caught up in things. So the story goes on that she she's pregnant now, and now David wants to cover this up. And the bad thing that David did, and the Bible says the thing that he did, displeased the Lord. David had sent for Uriah. Uriah comes back to Jerusalem, to where David is, and then he tries to cover it up, one, by giving Uriah some food and some drink and telling him to go home to your wife. And then how can he go home to his wife when the men he's fighting with are on the battlefield and on the line? So they develop this uh, fraternity with each other as they were fighting, this relationship with each other as they were fighting. No doubt they were covering each other's back as they were fighting in this war. And then Uriah gets pulled out. So just imagine how it is when us men are on a task and we're focused and we don't want to be interrupted. So now Uriah is interrupted. Well, okay, I got to stop fighting in the battle. The king wants me. Let me go see what the king wants. Uriah gets to King David and, Day, and, and he inquires of how the war is going. Yeah, King, the war is going on good. We're, we're accomplishing what we're to accomplish. We're killing the children of Ammon off. Then King David tells him, well, here's some food. Here's some drink. Go home and rest for a little while. Go home and lay with your wife. So Uriah, with his dedicated, loyal self, how can I lay with my wife? So he stays at the king's palace and chats with the other men and other servants there, no doubt giving them updates on how the war is going. And David finds out that he did not go home to his wife and lay down with his wife. See, this is another message for another day. Other people will see Uriah's wife in a different light than what Uriah will see her in. Because that's Uriah's wife. He knows her. He has known her. They've been together. And then here comes somebody else that's looking at her that has not been with her and has not seen her. And then when he has seen her, saw her naked and bathing. So look at the lust that sets up in your mind and the lust that sets up in your heart. So there's different lights that he looked on, that Bathsheba has looked upon, from the perspective of her husband, who she knows, and then from the perspective of a king that just happened to be looking off of his roof at her washing and bathing herself. See, this thing, this lust, this sin that sets up in David's heart pushes him further and further from God. So subsequently, David has Uriah killed by putting him on the front line of the war, and he's killed. So this thing really displeased God. It displeased God so much that God sent his man, Nathan the prophet, to convict David of his actions. And as he's convicting David, he, David tells, he tells David about what happens to this rich man and this poor man over this lamb. And then David says that man should die. He should be killed. The prophet tells David, thou art the man. You are the man that I'm referring to. And yes, it convicts David. 
it makes him sorry because he pronounces the judgment on him and the judgment of God upon him. But then David realizes, okay, I've done wrong. And David has gotten to know God in such a real way. And David allowed himself to slip from God. Same as us. We can allow ourselves to slip from God when we don't pick up this word every day and read what God says. You remember the little children's song says, if you read your Bible every day, you'll grow, grow, grow. And if you don't read your Bible every day, you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Well, guess what? David began to shrink from the spirit of God, from the presence of God. God has been so good to David. And David's going to eventually tell us about how good God has been to him. So after Nathan convicts David and lets, allows David to see the wrong that he has done, David, being a man after God's own heart, didn't take no time at all in repenting. <clears throat> and as David re re repented, he began to pen this Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. It was more than one transgression. It was many transgressions. David knew. It, he wasn't no sense of him trying to hide behind what he did and make excuses for what he did. He knows what he did is wrong. Same as us today. We know that what we do is wrong and doesn't line up to God's word. And when we don't line up to God's word, we suffer consequences. The consequences we suffer are bad. It's a price that we don't want to pay. So then he says, wash me thoroughly. Lord, I know I have messed up and I've done wrong. Now I want to get right with you. Wash me, Lord. Wash me thoroughly. He says that, wash me thoroughly in verse 2, from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. It makes me think of what Peter told Jesus. Jesus told Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. Then Peter saying, wanted to have a big part with Jesus and wanting to be with Jesus and love the relationship he had with Jesus. He said, Jesus, not my feet only, but wash my hands and wash my head. I've got to get with you. I've got to be with you. I want to be with you. You've proven yourself to me. Because it's on a few chapters over when Peter says, Thou art the Christ, after Jesus asked the question, Who do men say I am? And then, Who do you say I am? It was Peter that spoke up and said, Thou art the Christ. Peter knew who Jesus was. So same as it is in here, David knew God. He knew who God was because he's had too many encounters and experiences to not know who God was. So he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me from my sin, he says. Then he says in verse three, I love this part. He says, for I acknowledge my transgressions. How about us today? Can we truly acknowledge our sins? Can we truly acknowledge our iniquities? Can we truly acknowledge our transgressions? Can we truly acknowledge that we've done wrong to God? We've done wrong towards him and we've done wrong towards his word. Can we admit it? Are we honest enough? Are you man enough to admit it? Are you woman enough to admit, yes, you've done wrong. So David says, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He knew that what he did was wrong. That's why we as the people and sons of God and you all as the daughters of God, we can have compassion on David. He's admitting he knew he did the wrong thing. 
He's acknowledging this unto God. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and what? He shall direct your paths. David, he says, I acknowledge my transgressions. I did this, I did that, I did the other. He's acknowledging them. Then he says, and his sin is ever before him. I did wrong, so the thing that I did wrong, I can't stop thinking about it. The thing that I did wrong, I, it will not leave my mind. I counseled this, I talked to this man here, Uriah. I gave him some food, tried to bribe him and some drink, told him to go home and lay with his wife, okay? All of these bribes and these things that he did wrong. Then David says to himself, now I'm gonna write a letter to Joab so that Joab can put Uriah on the front end of the line so that he can die. And then that would just cover and clear everything up. I did wrong, Lord. I should not have wrote this letter to do this to this innocent, humble man. I should not have done that. His sin is ever before him, same as you and same as I. When we do wrong, when we sin, our sin is ever before us. It's in our eyes. It's in my mind. It's in my ears. You know you shouldn't have done that. I should not have done that. And then we hear the Spirit of the Lord convicting us. You're wrong for doing that. You should not have done that to your brother. You should not have done that to your sister. Not just a murdering situation, but any sinful situation. You should not have done that. So our sin, your sin is ever before you. And this sin is keeping us in bondage. It's keeping us in chains. Our memory, we keep remembering it over and over. David says, against thee and thee only have I sinned. I've only sinned against God because it was his word that I broke. It's his word that we broke. It's his law and his commandments that we broke. Against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. David did this evil in God's eyesight. How many of you know that the eyes of the Lord are in every place? God can see everything. His vision is so good, he can see what we're going to do tomorrow when we can't even see what we're going to do tomorrow. He sees what we did yesterday when we forgot what we did yesterday. He even knows what we're going to do next month and even next year if he allows us to live. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. The eyes of the Lord. He says, I have sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Then David says that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when you judge. He's, David is saying, Lord, you're going to be justified when you speak because I broke your word. You didn't break my word. And then he says, you're going to be clear when you judge. You're going to judge me because you know that I broke your word. These are things that David is admitting. Then David tells us in Psalm 51.5, behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. She conceived me in sin, and then I was born in sin. Yes, we know this, David. We understand this, David. This is still not an excuse. Let's go further. He says, behold, thou desireth truth in the inward part. God desires truth in our heart. He desires truth in our minds. He desires truth in our body, and he desires truth in our soul, in our inner beings. God desires truth. Why truth? Because truth is that which makes us free, and the truth shall make you free. And who is truth? Jesus is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
says, Thou desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. In the hidden parts, the hidden chambers of my heart and my innermost being, he's going to make me to know wisdom. Many times after we have fallen and made such a bad mistake, we feel so bad for it. And after we ask the Lord to forgive us, then it's like, okay, I'll never do this again because of the bondage of sin that holds me. And I don't want to be held in the bondage of sin because I've gotten to know you, Lord. I've gotten to know you, Jesus, in such a special way that I don't want to offend you. I don't want to do anything to break your word or your law. So then therefore comes wisdom. And this is not earthly wisdom because this earthly wisdom is sensual. This becomes the wisdom of God that he puts in us so that we will not sin against him. Then listen to what David says. He comes into our verse. Then David says, purge me with hyssop. Hyssop is a plant with mint properties that's used in ceremonial cleansings. So he wants God to purge him and clean him. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. If God purges you, he's getting everything bad out and then you become clean. David says, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. How many of you know that when God washes you, you become whiter than snow because he washes out all the sin. He washes out away all the stain. And then you become clean. You become white as snow. And we know snow is white. Then David says, make me to hear joy and gladness. How many of you remember when you could hear joyful things? How many of you remember when you can hear glad things, good reports, joyful things? It's like music to your ear when you hear joy and when you hear gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. These bones can't rejoice because they're stuck on flesh and they're stuck on their own self-will. But when God breaks those bones, then those bones are broken and they're at a place of submission. And then you become at a place of humility where you can hear God and you can receive God and you can obey God. Let's go a little further. Then we get to verse 9. Hide thy face from my sins. David wants God to hide his face from David's sin. And we can put ourselves in that same situation too because we want God to hide his face from our sins, from our wrongdoings, from our transgressions, from our iniquities. Yes, we want God to hide his face. We don't want him to see that because he's a holy God. But because he's so holy and mighty, he can see it anyway. David says, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. This is the second thing that he wanted him to blot out. Earlier in the first verse, he says, blot out my transgressions. This is the first thing he wanted him to blot out was his transgressions. And in this verse, we read that, we, that he wants God to blot out all his iniquities. So blot out my transgressions and blot out my iniquities. Blot out to erase, to destroy them as if though they were never, ever there. This is our prayer today too. We want God to blot out all our iniquities. We want him to blot out all our transgressions. We want him to erase it. We want him to destroy it as though it has never been because we want this clean slate with God. Then after all of that, we come to our closing verse. David says, create in me a clean heart. 
David realized that the heart that he had was not clean. He realized that the heart that he had was not right before God. He realized that something was wrong in that heart. The heart, which is the seat of all of our emotions, all of our feelings are seated in our heart. And God looks at our heart and he doesn't have to look at our heart with a magnifying glass. He can look at our heart just as we are. Even with a bunch of clothes on and shields and protectors over our heart, God can still see what's in your heart. So David says, create in me a clean heart, such as us today. We want God to create in us a clean heart. We know there are man-made products and there are God-made products. You know, man makes man, but then it is God that had made us. It is him that created us. It is him that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So when God creates something, you know that it is well, it is righteous, it is perfect, and it is upright because that's the kind of work that God does. Well work. He does righteous work. He does holy work. He does perfect work. So he says, create in me not just a heart, not another heart. He says, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, this is his prayer. This is request. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, he's voicing the sentiments of his heart, of his soul, of his innermost debt. Create in me a clean heart. Then he says, oh God, and renew. Put a new right spirit within me. Because the spirit that I had was the wrong spirit. The spirit that I had, I did wrong with it. I corrupted that spirit. So we also ask the Lord to create in us a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within us, a right spirit to do right, a right spirit to be right according to his word, a right spirit. And when we do this, we become pleasing to him because he'll look at us and know that, yes, you messed up my son, you messed up my daughter, but God has went in and cleaned our heart. What about this heart of ours? Jeremiah tells us something about this heart of ours. Listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17.9. The ESV version, the English Standard Version tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things. This heart, it's deceitful above all things. And this heart is desperately sick. It's desperately sick, not because of God, but because of us, because of me, because of you. It's desperately sick. And then the 10th verse says, I, the Lord, search the heart. Nobody else can search our heart like God can. Jeremiah says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of of his deeds. God knows our heart. It is him that made our heart. It is us that defiled the heart that he put inside of us. And as we defile this heart, some of us can acknowledge this like David and ask him to wash our heart and clean our heart. And others can think, I'm okay. I'm all right. 
or they'll do a penny's worth of repentance. Lord, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for doing wrong. And then go on and just keep doing what they've been doing. <clears throat> or they can cry like David, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me so that I can be right because you're watching me. I'm reminded of the words of a songwriter that penned these words. James Cleveland penned these words. Give me a clean heart so I may serve thee. You can't serve God with a heart that's not clean. Then he says, Lord, fix my heart so that I may be used by thee. Then he says, for I am not worthy of all these blessings. Give me a clean heart and I'll follow thee. These are the words of James Cleveland. And as God gives us this clean heart, we can serve him. As he gives us this clean heart, we can worship him. And it will just make you feel so much better to know that God has given you a clean heart. Listen to this verse. He says, I'm not asking for the riches of the land. I'm not asking for high men to know my name. Lord, give me a clean heart so that I may follow thee. Give me a clean heart and I'll follow thee. God is looking at you, my brothers and my sisters. And as he looks at us, what is it that he sees? Is what he see making him proud and glad of us? Or does what he see make him just shake his head? I never want God to shake his head. I want the Lord to smile upon me and smile upon us. So as we conclude, we just want to thank God that he gives us a chance to do what's right. As he gives us a chance to come before him and live before him. He's given us so many, so many, so many chances. So let's ask him for one more chance.